Good morning, everyone. Super glad to be with you. For those of you who are joining us online, I'm glad you're with us as well. Um, we love us some big stuff in America, don't we? And our love for big seems to just be getting bigger every year. Did you know our houses are 50% bigger than they were in 1970? So are our garages. Did you also know, this is my new favorite statistic, I don't understand it at all. 52% of Americans want their neighbors to be jealous of their garages. You people are weird. What about this? We eat 25% more calories than we did in 1960. Today, the double quarter pounder at McDonald's, which is their biggest burger, is 500% bigger than the plain old hamburger that was on the menu in 1950. 500% bigger. Our cars have gotten bigger heavier, wider over the last 25 years, mostly for safety reasons, but some of it has to do, uh, well, with the size of our Big Macs. We're bigger, and I had some statistics on that, but then this morning I got up and put on uh, real pants uh, for the first time in seven months uh, after this COVID thing, and I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to just spare you the details, okay? We all know what's happening. But we like big, we like big in this country. We like the big givers at church, the big name stars, the big show, the big deal, the big shot, the big kahuna, the big bang. We like big boys, big girl pants, the big game, the big cheese, the big board, the big toe. Put that one in there. But what about Jesus? What does Jesus have to say about big? So we're in, as Jeff said, this series, um, third week of this series called Upside Down, where we're exploring the idea that life as Jesus describes it, true life, what Jesus called the abundant life, the following Jesus kind of life, is very often the polar opposite of how life works in the world and the culture that we're all a part of. And many of Jesus' teachings are completely upside down than the way we think. He said things like the first will be last and the weak are actually strong. Carla taught that two weeks ago and the out might actually be the in. Doug taught that last week. The greatest among you will be the servant. And you know, these kinds of upside down teachings were hard for Jesus' original listeners, his first followers, to understand and believe. They made no sense to them. And they're just as hard for us today, especially in the chaos and the tension and the constant clamoring noise that we all live in. But we're no different than Jesus' first followers. And it is really up to us to decide if we're going to choose to live Jesus' way or not. Every day, every experience we have, we have to choose which way of life we're going to follow. And if, I mean, this is just the honest truth of following Jesus. If we choose not to follow Jesus' way, then we have to ponder afresh for ourselves who or what it is that we're actually following. 
So I want us to think together for a moment. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of my father, where should we look when we seek first the kingdom of God? How do we measure God's presence? Is it in a certain number of people gathered? Is it a decibel level? of music or voices? Is it the sheer size or power of something? Is that how we know that God is present or working? We often equate God with the big and the powerful and the strong and the successful and the loud and the winners. We say, look at that. Look at that, that's God. But what did Jesus say about all this? Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seeds on the ground. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a woman who searches for one lost coin. A shepherd searching for one lost sheep. A dad waiting for one lost son to come home. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a sprinkle of yeast in a loaf of bread dough. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. The kingdom of God is like one very precious pearl. We say, look at that, look at that big thing, there's God. And Jesus says, look at that. Look at that small, humble thing. There's God. What if small is the new big? As you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first four books in what we call the New Testament, as you read through the Gospels, which we deeply encourage you to do if you want to know and follow Jesus, it's almost impossible to know and follow Jesus without reading the Gospels. But as you read, you might notice that very often when big crowds gathered around Jesus, the crowds that we would consider to be a sign of success or something to be harnessed for the spread of the gospel, when big crowds gathered around Jesus, often, not all the time, but very often, Jesus walks away. He leaves the crowd for the small circle of his 12 best friends. He leaves the many for time alone with his father. He leaves the big group to minister to one person, the needy, the bleeding, the broken, the bruised, the sad, the sick, and the sinner. Jesus never said, whenever there are at least a thousand of you meeting, then and only then will I be present. Then and only then will that be the church. No, Jesus said, where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. See, for Jesus, small is the new big. This is upside down. And in our lives, despite what the culture around us and the culture within us declares, if we're gonna follow Jesus, into his upside down kingdom, then small 
needs to be our new big. So back to our original questions. Where should we look for God? How should we seek first God's kingdom? And how, how do we recognize when God is present and working and in our midst? Well, based on what Jesus taught, I think we should start by looking small. So let's talk about our faith. Let's talk about our faith when it comes to this issue. Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verse 20, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, remember that picture, it was so tiny, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Does that mean that even with the tiniest bit of faith, God will do whatever we want him do, to do to make our life work out great? Find us the best parking place, fix our hangnail, help our football team to dominate, give us the perfect job, the best garage in our neighborhood, okay? For those of you who want to be jealous of somebody's garage, don't come to my house, okay? Because you won't be. Um, but does this passage right here mean that God will give me whatever I want even if I barely have any faith? Well, of course not, right? But it does mean that God will always hear you. It does mean that God will never turn his back on you and say to you, I'm sorry, your faith isn't big enough for me. According to Jesus, when it comes to faith, small is really the new big. I was reading a, a new book on prayer the last, over the last few weeks, and midway through this book, which I was very excited to read, took a dangerous, dangerous turn. It was a turn that denied that small is the new big when it comes to faith. And this author started to explain that what I had to do to get God to hear me when I pray is that I had to make sure every single day I prayed this massive seven-page prayer. It was the only way that God was going to listen to me. Without this, my faith was not big enough for God. And friends, if that hadn't been on my Kindle, I would have thrown that book across the room. That guy was preaching the gospel, the uniquely American gospel of big me. And that's just not what Jesus says here. That's not what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, listen, you don't have to use all kinds of words to get my father's attention. My father already knows what you need. Just pray like this. God in heaven, you're holy. May your upside down kingdom come. May you have your way in this world and in my life. And will you, God, give us today just our daily bread, not the 500% burger, bigger burger, just our daily bread. You know the rest. You know what I see in the teaching, teachings of Jesus when it comes to faith? Small faith 
big God. Small faith, big, big God. Small faith, big God. And let me say this too, because I, I hear people talk and I just kind of from my pastoral heart, I want to say this to you. Many of us feel like we are not a big enough deal for God to notice us or pay attention to us, right? We don't feel like we're good enough at church or we don't know enough about the Bible or maybe our prayers aren't right somehow, whatever our reasons are. And we end up feeling small and very unimportant to God. And that leads to us feeling unseen or overlooked, or neglected. Listen, Jesus said, my father knows every sparrow that falls. Jesus said, my father has numbered every hair on your head. I read in Proverbs this week that every step we take is counted by God. King David says, God knit you together before you were born, and that you are the apple of God's eye. When it comes to being noticed by God, seen by God, loved by God, heard by God, small is the new big as well. And isn't that just pure relief? Isn't that just grace? If you have faith, the size of the tiniest of seeds, that is more than enough for God. And no matter who you are, he has counted every single hair on your head. When it comes to faith, small is the new big. Now let's talk about ourselves for a minute because that's our favorite topic. In the letter to the church at Philippi, which we call the book of Philippians, chapter two, Paul references this this hymn, which is all about how this big God of ours became flesh and dwelt among us. And Paul says that we are to have the same mindset, we are to have the same thinking about ourselves as did Christ Jesus, who was by his very nature the same as God, but he didn't use that status to his advantage. Rather, he, Jesus, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And Paul says, and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why would this big God choose to become so small for us, for our sake? The creator of human life became a human embryo, the smallest of the small, born to a nobody mom and dad in a small nowhere town, and was a lowly humble carpenter for 30 years before his ministry started, and his ministry started small. 
And this isn't an accident. No, it is something we are to pay special attention to and to really live because an upward mobility mindset is just easy for us, right? It's kind of in our sin nature. The goal there is to just become a big deal. But Jesus invites us to imitate him by sinking low. Low enough to give up our seats of honor. Low enough to fit little children on our laps. Low enough to wash feet. Low enough to serve rather than be served. Sometimes so low that we're gonna find ourselves in the dark like a seed or in relative obscurity like a baby born in a cattle trough or a criminal dying on a cross. But we want to do something big for God, right? We want to be radical in our faith. We obsess about becoming significant and noticed and honored and admired and praised and seen, even in the religious world. This is just rampant. But Jesus could not caution against these things more. Why? One word. Ego ego, our own sense of self-importance. Wanting to do big things for Jesus, if that is our primary goal, can quickly lead to a bloated ego and a small, small soul. And the only antidote to this is, as Paul says in Philippians, to have this same mindset among you, the mindset of Christ Jesus. Now listen, don't hear me saying something I'm not saying. This doesn't mean we shouldn't work hard. It doesn't mean we shouldn't enjoy healthy competition or strive for excellence or seek to be really good at what we've been called to do on this earth. But it does mean that if we are spending our life energy striving to become a big deal, we are barking up the wrong tree in this upside down kingdom of Jesus. If we are spending our life energy striving to become a big deal, we are barking up the wrong tree. Our call is to serve. Our call is to be just like John the Baptist who said about Jesus, he must become greater. And I must become smaller. Our work is to do things, even religious things like praying or fasting or giving, in secret, as Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, for the praise and the honor of an audience of one. Now, we may become a big deal, or we may not, but that is God's decision. That is not our main concern. Our main concern when it comes to ourselves, is that we are to have the same mindset as did Christ Jesus, who though he was big, became small for us. Small is the new big when it comes to ourselves. And let's talk about relationships, shall we? As I read through the Gospels, I found at least 12 examples, there may be more, uh, where crowds gathered around Jesus 
And instead of Jesus saying, hey, look at me, look at how I draw these big crowds, Jesus just walks away. It seems so unthinkable to us. But, but for Jesus, when it comes to relationships, it seemed like small was very often the new big. Again, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said, and if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water, the smallest of acts, when it comes to our life with others, I want us to think about this idea that small is the new big. Think for just a moment about all the energy, not to mention time and money, that we are spending as a nation on national politics. It's incredible, isn't it? If we could harness that for something. And it's important. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not saying uh, don't vote. I mean, vote, okay? But what if Christians voted and then decided to be all about this kind of cup of cold water living? Because we have neighbors who have lost their jobs, who are sick, who are scared, who are lonely. We have kids going hungry in our own community, small business owners just trying to hang on, older folks languishing in nursing homes, single people isolated, new refugees and immigrants who could use a hand, doctors and nurses and teachers and first responders and essential workers who, by God, could use some words of encouragement in this world. And so what if in these final weeks before the election and in the aftermath of that, whatever it looks like, we Jesus followers acted as if and lived as if small was the new big? What about marriage? What if small is the new big in marriage? Ask anyone who has been married for more than 30 years what mattered the most. The big wedding, the big ring, the big honeymoon, the big vacation. You ask any of those couples, and I bet you the shoes off my feet that they will say, it has been the small things lived out over time. It has been cup of cold water living in my marriage. Chicken soup, when she was sick, choosing to get up with a barfing kiddo and letting him sleep, bringing her coffee in bed, making his favorite meal, a quiet offer of forgiveness, little conversations before everybody else wakes up, inside jokes, the simple joy of a hug where your bodies fit together just right taking up golf even though you hate it. No, I don't recommend that. I tried it, it was a bad idea. But small really is the new big in marriage. It really is, friends. What about parenting? What about raising kids or grandkids? I bet you a million bucks that I don't have that what matters to our kids and grandkids is not the big stuff but the small cup of cold water parenting. 
a dad sitting on the bedside of his daughter and telling her she is strong and she is brave and she is beautiful. Or a mom telling her son she's so proud of the man he's becoming. A parent whispering an offer of forgiveness after the kid screws up or vice versa, wiping away tears of rejection after our child has been bullied, letting them skip school on their birthday. Choosing to love their music. Sometimes just shutting our mouths or playing catch without coaching. Family meals, stupid traditions, messy houses that smell like home. Small is the new big moms and dads and grandparents, aunts and uncles. And what about friendships, other kinds of relationships? Showing up when they lose their keys, responding to the midnight text when they can't sleep, keeping a secret, knowing what their facial expression means, loving the same team, remodeling their bathroom with them, remembering their birthday, knowing their pet peeves. Small is the new big when it comes to friends. This kind of small cup of cold water living is actually the big kahuna when it comes to relationships of all kinds. Jesus taught this message is spread all over the Gospels. Small is the new big. Don't miss this message, friends. While we're watching for and striving for and waiting for and looking on the horizon for the next big thing that we think is gonna fill our souls, we too often are overlooking and dismissing and missing the small things right in front of us every single day. And Jesus says to us, live as if the small things are actually the big things, because they are. And so in our culture that worships and even idolizes big, you and I are called to follow Jesus right into an upside down way of life where small is always, 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 always the new big. Let's pray. God, you are so big our imaginations can't even fathom you. And yet, out of your love for us, you became nothing. You became the smallest of the small on our behalf. And somehow in this world of ours that worships and idolizes big, you call us into this upside down kingdom where we are commanded to have this same mindset in our own lives. That small is the new big when it comes to faith, when it comes to living with ourselves and our own egos, and when it comes to life with others. Oh God, may this truth sink deep into our souls like a seed and may it sprout and grow deep roots and may 
this principle grow big and wide and strong in our lives. That small is the new big in your upside down kingdom. Amen.